0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Car Thoughts with David, episode number 54. So, first of all, thank you guys so much for listening to my show. I know listenership is going up. Those numbers are getting higher and higher. You know, the averages are getting higher. So thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you to all the new people who are coming on board. And for those of you that are sharing you know, the show with other people, thank you guys so much. I so appreciate everything that you're doing. What I wanted to talk to you guys about, because I know that September is, uh, you know, suicide prevention uh, month, and uh, specifically September 10th, which I know that's not today, but I'd still like to talk about this anyway. Because uh, I've been seeing so many people online sharing stories. And the only way to prevent these terrible things from happening is to talk about them and have open discussion and have real, honest, truthful, authentic messages being spoken. Because until we're open about it and we start talking about our feelings and start talking about what we're going through honestly with people, you know, we'll never overcome that, that, um, barrier, you know, we'll never overcome that stigma. So the more people talking about it, the more open it is, the more people will feel like they have somewhere to go. So here's my story. (laughs) Um, As a kid, you know, and you guys know this because I've told you some about it. You know, I had OCD. Um, They tried to diagnose me with ADD. So my teachers contributed a lot to my depression because they were so dead set on making sure that I was just like the other children. You know, that I, you know, had to study hard to do schoolwork that I was right handed not left handed because there's well, I think even to this day there's still this belief that left handedness or right handedness is a choice they don't realize that's actually the neurological biological imperative it's part of your DNA you're actually born left handed or right handed Yeah, you because know, you can take a small infant and you can usually tell what hand they are going to be um, dominant in with writing and everything when you go to hand them a spoon as a like toddler <laughs> and they grab for it they're going to grab for it with their dominant hand which is generally the hand they'll end up writing with as a child and there's roughly on average throughout the years and this is actually a scientific fact there's usually an average of about 10% of the people on earth are left handed it's just one of those things that's fluctuated up and down some. But usually the average over the last several thousand years that there's, you know, evidence of talking about people, they, they figure it's roughly about 10%. So, you know, there was that, you know, the teachers wanted to make me normal. Want to bring me down to everyone else's level? Didn't want to move me up in grades so that I'd actually be challenged. They wanted to pull me, pull me down uh, with the help of drugs to, uh, to you know, dumb me down, and so that I, you know, because that's just the public education system, and that's not necessarily just where I went to school. I've heard of people that have had similar situations all over the country. know the public education system needs a huge huge uh overhaul um because of that and you know my awkwardness with people um I was very shy you know I was very reserved so I got made fun of a lot and I got bullied and I actually got uh, beat up a lot um both at school and at church and as a result you know I, you know, tried to always live, you know, by the turn the other cheek and just not let it get to me. Um, and, you know, I tried to, you know, be a man because that's what my dad wanted. He wanted he wanted a son that, you know, would go out there and fix a car and build a garage, you know, like an old spot. You know, he wanted the Old Spice <laughs> son, you know, that went out there and did all this manly uh, crap and you know, hunted wild boar in you know, Tanzania and you know, whatever, just all this, just random stuff. That's what he wanted. He wanted me to go to college because he never went to college. So basically, he was forcing all of his uh, projections of things that he didn't get to do growing up because he was in a uh, you know, broken home. You know, uh, his mother was constantly getting married and and divorced. I, you know, she had, you know, I want to say eight husbands, and then she finally just gave up on the whole marriage thing and just started dating guys um, instead. You know, I mean, she was she was trying to hold down uh, and and beat Elizabeth Taylor for most uh, marriages and divorces. I think I don't know. Um, but so he wanted me to have that life that he didn't get to live, you know, which there's nothing wrong with that. But when you're projecting that on a small child, you know, because I remember, I mean, he used to have me out there helping him work on the car, expecting me to be able to keep up with him when I was like four or five. And I would be standing on the on the um, re- on, on the, um, you know, crowbar. Uh, the, uh, trying to break loose the the um, nuts off of the tires and jumping up and down on it, and I didn't actually weigh enough to break the bolts loose to to take off the tires. I'm sitting there jumping up and down, and he was finally just like, "Fine, whatever," and broke them loose for me, and then had me take. I mean, you know, like five year old, you know, and so. Um, and of course, you know, my extended family didn't really accept me because of my eating disorder, you know, they could not understand why I was doing that to my parents and why I was being so selfish and, um, you know, which I've told you guys about that as well. So by the age of six or seven, I don't remember what year age wise I was exactly was when I started having suicidal thoughts. you know, it was just, it was crushing to me because nobody anywhere I went seemed to like me or seemed to want to have anything to do with me. Um, you know, it just, everywhere I went, I was either being beat up or told that I was not good enough or told that I was, that I was, uh, you know, not manly enough, that I was not this, that I was not that. Uh, I just dove into a deep depression. And I used to sit in my bedroom and just weep. I would actually, because the bed that I had was pretty high off the ground. So I would either go in there or I would hide in... I had a really huge uh, closet that I actually doubled as like a uh, playroom. So I would go in there or i would go under my crawl under my bed and i would just weep and i would cry and i would say i must have been adopted how did i end up with the wrong family i felt like the ugly duckling you know i just felt like you know surely at some point and i hoped so much surely at some point my real family would come and find me and i would finally be accepted i would go to a school where kids were like me you know uh, I, I would go to a church where kids actually liked me and wanted to hang out with me but that never happened um, this was my real family this was my real life this was my lot in life and I know that my story is not anything Um, you know, extraordinary, you know, I I didn't have to deal with, you know, just crazy circumstances like a lot of people, but, you know, everybody has their breaking point, and here I was, a seven-year-old child, and I was at my breaking point. I couldn't take it anymore. The only thing that kept me at that stage from committing suicide was the fact that I just didn't really know how to pull it off or how to go somewhere where... I could jump off a building tall enough that would kill me or anything like that. You know, I mean, there was my school, but it was only two stories high. Uh, you know, once I finally got into the third grade, it was only two stories high. So that would, I mean, I'd break some bones. I might break my back, but I'd probably live through it, you know, being as young as I was. So that wasn't going to work. Um, you because know, I grew up in the country. You know, if a building was two-story h- high, you know, that was a high-rise. You know, <laughs> you didn't get much taller than that, generally speaking. So, so I suffered. I suffered, and I still got beat up. I got beat up every Sunday until I started learning how to actually um, gag myself because church was the one thing I could get out of. You know, school, you had to go to school, you know that was just the thing you had to go to school so couldn't get out of that plus I hated throwing up so there's no way in heck I could have thrown up literally every day it would have drove me nuts um it was hard enough coming up with the courage to start gagging myself every Sunday so that I could say "Oh, I'm sick I don't feel good and thankfully my parents didn't really pick up on that um because you know I told them I didn't want to go, and I tried to tell them what was happening, but I didn't want to get the, 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 the people in trouble. I didn't want to get them in trouble. And I didn't want to cause waves. You know, I didn't want to be a burden any more than I already felt like I was. So I didn't tell them everything that happened, but they wouldn't let me get out of it unless I had come up with a legitimate excuse to get out of it. So I literally started gagging myself and vomiting. On Sundays, as many Sundays as I could, I'd eat breakfast and I'd go throw up. And uh, that worked for a while. Um, My parents didn't catch on to what I was doing. And so, you know, I'd get relief for a couple hours out of my life. Every week I would have relief from the beatings that I took. And it was, it was tough. I didn't want to throw up and I felt guilty because I felt like I was disappointing, you know, God, you know, cause I was like, you know, here I am, you know, my parents are in church. I'm supposed to be a Christian, but I'm getting beat up at church and that shouldn't be happening. So I don't know what else to do. So, you know, I guess if this, you know, I guess I'm just gonna have to go to hell. You know? And I'm like eight or nine years old dealing with these concepts, these concepts where I feel like I'm going to burn in hell because, well, guess what, David? You're not going to church, and that's a requirement. And, um, you know, but you're getting beat up, so you just need to man up and, and put up with that or man up and do something about it, which eventually I did. And these kids were several years older than me. Um, they didn't like me. And uh, one day, finally, they had me up against, there was this brick wall um, that was like a retaining wall that they would generally beat me up in front of. And uh, two of the boys were holding my arms like they normally did. Uh, the one older boy of the group, the, the, the ringleader, um, his name was Chris, um, was just wailing on me. Just punch, punch, punch. My nose is bleeding. My lip is bleeding. My stomach is hurting from getting punched in the gut. And just, just wailing on me. And, you know, I was just sitting there taking it. You know, my arms were being held up. My body was being held up by these two other boys. And I only weighed about 90 pounds at the time. So... You know I'm sitting here taking it we're we're outside we're in plain view. it's not like we're hidden from anybody. We're in between the main house uh, where the preacher lived and the church. so we're in public view we're out where people can see what's going on, but nobody was out there so finally, I had had enough, and so as soon as those two boys let loose my arm, I just went over towards Chris and just hauled off and hit him with everything I had and the best way I can describe the punch and how I did it because I was shorter than him obviously was if you're familiar with Mike Tyson's punch out on the Nintendo when when Mac would he'd get his little star and he could do a super punch and he'd jump up and just clock him clock the guy right in the jaw and just stun him that was the punch I landed on this on this guy he was just you know, like, stepping backwards, stumbling, and, um, you know, just didn't know what happened, totally disoriented, and that was the last time I ever got beat up by those guys, after I gave him that punch, and, because I threw every ounce in my body at this guy's jaw, and, um, so what ended up happening is we ended up getting made to pretty much to leave the church because his family had been in the church longer. And, you know, that was unacceptable behavior because they didn't really care if he was beating me up. Uh, Before that, and this was just a reaction to that, uh, what they cared about is his family had more money and more stature in the church. And so we were kind of made to so, and of course there was a lot of other crap going on. so it wasn't really like my parents weren't that heartbroken about it, um, that I remember uh, once they found out what was actually happening because I hid it from everybody. you know, I felt like I was doing something wrong, so I'd instantly run into the bathroom, I'd clean up the bloody nose, I'd patch up my bloody lip, and no one ever apparently seemed to notice the fact that, I always had a busted lip. <laughs> Every Sunday, I had a freshly busted lip. So, um, you know, a lot of great memories there. Um, but you know, so that that was that was that. And yes, you know, but my depression didn't go away because I stood up for myself that one time. And there were other bullies at school that I stood up to, and I ended up finally fighting them. Uh, because after I got the courage to, to fight that bully, you know, I started fighting the others. And, um, you know, thankfully my mom stood behind me on those, you know, because the, the principal was like, oh, we're going to suspend your son for fighting. And my mom tells the principal, she said, well, my son's getting, been getting beaten up by these boys for years. He's just finally defending himself, and you're going to suspend him from school for doing that. Um, let me know how long you're going to suspend him for because I'm going to throw a party and he's going to get up I'm going to make a cake for him every day. I'm going to you know have his friends over after they get out of school and we're just going to have a huge block party every day for as long as you're going to suspend him. And the principal was like, "Oh no. Um, yeah, that's probably not a good idea, so we're not going to su- suspend your son." So the other boys, the other two bullies that I fought you know, they got suspended and, you know, I did not. So, um, so there was that, but I still struggled to find my place. I couldn't really, I never really fit in with anybody. You know, I, I could sit down and I could talk with, um, with older, uh, people, you know, and I, I loved history so I could kind of hold my own. You know, so I would kind of fit in with these, you know, older people like my grandfather's age that fought in World War II or people that fought in in Vietnam or Korea, you know, because I could actually I knew a lot of history. You know, I loved reading about it. I don't know why I was so fascinated, but I mean, I studied major cultures and, and wars going back from, you know. Hannibal and Alexander the Great and and, uh, and the Battle of Troy all the way up to, you know, the most recent wars that we had fought in America, or, well, as America. And, you know, so, you know, I kind of fit in there, but at the same time, I was like 50, 60 years younger than these people, so, you know, it wasn't really like I could hang out with them and have a beer or something like that you know, or hang out or, or whatever, or go shoot pool. I mean, I was a kid, so I didn't 100% fit in with them, but I melded with them, and they respected me because of my knowledge um, and were kind of astounded that I knew so much about war and history and what happened. So there was that, but even with kids my own age, I just never really fit in. I was too weird. I was too different. You know, my OCD, my my mannerisms, my... You know, my phobias that I had um, just were too much. I mean, I was not, you know, I tried my best, but I think in the trying, it made it worse because I was really awkward because I didn't know what I was doing. And so my depression, you know, grew, you know, it it got worse um, because I was sitting here thinking like, why, why does nobody my age want to hang out with me? And then as computers, you know, as I started getting really big into computers, I all of a sudden had friends. Um, but, you know, the only time they would ever want to really hang out with me, this was what I would get, would be like, oh, well, you know, I'm having trouble with my computer, can you come over and hang out? Or like, hey, you know, you mind if I come over and hang out with you? Um And uh, by the way, my computer's having problems. Can I bring it with me? And you can look at it. And I was like, sure, yeah, no problem. And so I had all of these relationships and friendships with people that were solely based on my knowledge because people wanted to use my knowledge. They didn't, you know, and and later on, a lot of these people told me that they didn't really ever like me, (laughs) which was a huge confidence booster um, because eventually I had to stand up and say, listen, you know, if you want to hang out, that's cool. And I covered this in a previous episode. Um, if you want to hang out, that's cool, but I'm not going to fix computers anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. It's time consuming. I don't enjoy it. And you guys have the same problems over and over again. The problem with your computer is the person sitting in the chair at the computer. That's you. If you would stop doing these things you wouldn't have these problems on your computer. It's that simple. As a matter of fact, I told one guy, I said, "You know, if you'd stop going to all these porn sites, you know, um, you know, your computer wouldn't have all these problems. Because he was like, yeah, my girlfriend doesn't understand why our computer is always broken. And I was like, you want me to talk to her about it? <laughs> you know, um, I wasn't trying to be a jerk about it, but, you know, I had fixed this guy's computer more times than I even remember. And so you know i had to cut those those relationships out and that's what i had to start doing i finally had to start and that's where the turn came in my life is i had to finally start standing up for myself in everything not just when confronted by a bully but in every aspect of my life i had to say you know what these friendships that i have are toxic all these people want me for is my ability to fix their computer they don't actually like me as a person so you know I'm going to I'm going to just stop associating with them. I don't need them in my life if the only reason they want to hang out with me is so I can fix their computer, then I don't need them. You know, because I spent so many years just crying just like why don't people like me? Why Why do people, you know, hate me? Why is it the only time someone comes over is because they want me to do something for them? You know, I sat there, and I mean, I've literally had a loaded gun pointed at my head more times than I can count. I've had a knife at my chest, at my throat. Um, I've, you know, across my wrists. You know, I've been there, sitting there, crying, wondering why nobody wanted to have anything to do with me. I've sat there crying, knowing, or or just, like, wondering why I didn't have the courage to actually commit suicide. You know, I I was freaking out, like, I was literally sitting there, like, why can't I do this? It should be simple. All I gotta do is pull the trigger, and all my life's problems will be gone, you know, and... It was hard, you know, because I couldn't understand why, what was left for me to live for that kept me from doing that. I couldn't see anything. I couldn't analyze. I couldn't figure out why I couldn't pull the trigger, why I couldn't, you know, insert that knife into my body and end it and just have that sweet release of freedom from this life that I didn't want to live. Nothing made sense. And what I didn't realize is that inside of me, deep inside my subconscious, I knew the answer. And people had tried to tell me. I mean, I'd been to a few therapy sessions because of uh, work-related stress. And the psychiatrist was like, listen, David, you know, it sounds like you're just doing too much for other people. You need to take time for yourself and just do things you want to do and I, at first I was like, you know, the, the primary part of me just instantly responded and said, that doesn't make any sense. I, you know, just do things I like to do. And I even pulled out the, the, um, office space. I was like, dude, can't you just like hypnotize me or, or give me some, some medication so that when I'm at work, I just won't know that I'm at work. Um, you know, is there, is there nothing you can do to just snap your fingers and I'll just like feel like I've been fishing all day or something like that. And yeah, he basically just kind of gave me the look cause I think he realized I was quoting office space at that time. And, um, you know, it was, it was, uh, you know, hard because I didn't want to hear that at the time. But when I when I started to realize what he said and started to realize why I couldn't commit suicide, it was the same reason. Basically. Basically, um, you know, it was because I knew that what was happening didn't have to happen. I just needed to look at my life and say, "Okay, enough's enough." I'm not going to put up with this stuff anymore. And that's where the, you know, I basically posted out on Facebook and, you know, said, hey, you know, I sent people messages. I called when people called me. I said, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to fix your computer anymore. I don't do IT work outside of my job anymore because at this point, I mean, I've been doing it most of my life. You know I mean I started fixing computers and you guys know this I started fixing computers at my elementary school because I was the one person that could figure out how to flip the five and a quarter inch floppy disk around and have it pointing the right direction so it was side A and not side B Um, you know that was that was usually the problem either the student or the teachers would put them in upside down and then could not figure out why they didn't work and so, yeah, and I, I mean, I spent years dealing with all of this and, you know, from the time I was about six or seven until really until the last couple years, you know, so for almost 30 years, I carried around all this pain and all this baggage and all this frustration and, and, uh, it took me finally saying, you know what? I'm going to do things that are good for my soul. I'm going to do things that are good for me. Um, and just doing things and sharing stories and not caring what other people thought. you know. And that's really the biggest thing for, for me um, was just finally realizing that, you know what, I don't care if people don't like me. And, and by being freed by that knowledge... I started sharing things with people and found out that people were really genuinely interested in what I had to say and that people did like me. And I found my tribe. You know, I found my village. I found the people that mattered most because I finally got out of my own head. I started finally giving up, giving, you know, a damn about myself. I finally started standing up for myself and saying no to people who only wanted to use me for their benefit. And when I finally did that and finally started being free, you know, that's when those people, when I was able to see those people that had been around me f- my whole life that I did have a, a good relationship with and that I was able to build on that like, like Tariq. Um, me and my dad finally reconciled and we finally you know, had a night or two different nights over the course of a couple years where we actually sat down and actually had a real heart-to-heart and I explained to him how much he hurt me through the years by trying to force his dreams on me. Um, you know, and, and we finally were able to reconcile that, and we've got a common ground now, and we we have a great relationship. I mean, we still, we still bicker every once in a while, but I think everyone does. Um, my mom and my relationship has always been really good, but it's now even better. Um, and I've made so many more new friends as I've started being honest and open with people, you know, because... Yes, yeah, some people may you know say like even what I'm saying, well you haven't really lived or you know I can't believe that this, you know, pushed you to the point of suicide, but at the same time there are people that are listening to this right now who are saying, "Wow, you know, that was me growing up. You know, I I dealt with things like this. I had these thoughts." Um and that's going to resonate with them and that's the ones I care about you know if you don't think I lived a hard life you're right I really didn't I know plenty of people and I could write a list so long it could wrap around the earth of people that I've met that lived a harder worse life than I did you know I'm not out here to play who had who's got more battle wounds or you know whatever I'm here to play the this is my story and if it can help somebody to realize that what you need to do is get out of that situation. If that means you have to give up your so-called friends, if that means you have to give up your, your, your so-called family. If, you know, if they're being a negative influence, because there's several family members that I don't really communicate with at all. And I never will because they were negative influences on my life and they have not changed. So, you know, I, I've, you know, cut off family members, I've cut off friends, or well, they weren't really friends, but you know I but in doing so and in empowering myself to finally stand up for myself and say, "Well you know what I am good enough, I am worth it. There are people that like me for who I really am, not who they think I am, but who I really am, I was finally able to find peace, and now the other side to that is is it doesn't just go away right away. You know, if you get a cut or a bruise, it takes time to heal. And after you know, 25 years of you know, mental and physical, you know, issues you know, being beat up, uh, being called names, hating myself, you know, wanting to commit suicide after all those years of, of doing that, you know, I still struggle. I still feel depressed. I still feel days where I'm just not a hundred percent and that's okay. You're not just going to feel instantly 100% like everything is behind you. Those things take time to heal. Um, I don't have those those thoughts anymore. Um, after a few years, you know, things are starting to be less common to happen. Um, my bad days are less common. But over time, you know, I overcame that. And so now it's more like, a, why did I even have that thought? Why did I think, like, you know, did, why did I even think that? Why did this happen. You know, it's more of a reactionary thing. Like, where did that come from? You know, after, after a few years, you know, I started to just be like, what, why (laughs) this doesn't make any sense. And so over time, I can tell you that it does get better. But at first, when you finally start stepping out and standing up for yourself and believing in yourself and, and finding your tribe, you know, where you're, you're finally accepted. You know, it takes time to heal. So don't just expect it to be this overnight going from from dark and depressed with a gun to your head to yay, everything's wonderful, you know, uh I'm I'm happy now. I'm good. I'm living, you know, a life without any you know, because those mental things take a toll on you. Those you've those neural pathways have been forged. You know, it takes time to rewire those things in your mind and in your soul. You know, you feel better, but you're still going to have those trigger moments where you do something or you say something, and they're like, "Ah, that's so stupid. I should just go jump off a bridge." And it's like, wait, why would I say that? I made a stupid comment. <laughs> People aren't going to remember. You know. You know why? Why would I think I need to jump off a bridge? And then you know, so you start actually fighting yourself and attacking it like like good cells going after bad cells when you're when you're fighting the cold, you know you're like, "Where did that come from you know, and you know eventually, you know I'm not at the end of my road yet, I'm not at the end of my journey, you know because it's it's still it's still fresh, you know i mean i'm 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 you know only four or five years out from the last time where I had a serious thought of, like, I want to just end it all. I can't take this anymore. So, you know, it's still fresh, but what I can tell you is each day it gets easier. Each day it gets better. And that, that suicide is not the answer because you are unique. No matter how many times people say, oh, you know, you're stupid or you're this or you're that or give you... Crap about whatever. No one else on earth knows what you know in the way that you know it. Because everybody's life experiences, everybody's, um, you know, things that they've done shape how they perceive the world around them. So everybody is unique. And the world is a better place with you than without you. I can guarantee you that. Because imagine this. What if? What if you were the person that, because you didn't do that, because you chose life, you were the person that cured cancer? You know, what if you were the person that created a peace treaty that that stopped a lot of these stupid conflicts that we have across the globe? What if you were the person that, you know, that, that, you know, invented this miraculous, you know, invention that made everybody's lives easier, like Rosie the Robot, you know, where you had this maid in your house that vacuums and cleans and does the dishes and takes the dog for a walk, this robotic maid that, that helps people or, you know, any invention, any amazing thing, any life changing, life affirming moment that you could have been a part of that you were supposed to be a part of and because you are not in the world you can't do that so you know I hope this message helps some people I kind of struggled with it and I actually recorded this message originally last night and I deleted it uh, because I was just scared to even share it Um, I was I was concerned You know, I don't want, um, I don't want to be, I don't know. I just, it was, it was hard, you know, to share my story and to share that, you know, I struggled with depression and suicidal thoughts for as long as I did, especially at such early childhood. And so last night I'm like laying in bed and I'm like, ah, you know, this is so hard. I can't do this. I don't know if I'm ready to share this with people. And I deleted it. So here I am right now re-recording it, um, you know, and I'm going to put it out. And I hope that this message helps somebody. And if you need to reach out to anybody, find someone to reach out to. Find somebody you can trust, you know there are there are plenty of places online that you can reach out to. There are numbers you can call. If you want to direct message me on Twitter or or reach out to me on Facebook um, through the the car thoughts Dave or car thoughts with David Page, um, you know I'll be more than happy to to talk with you or 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 give you some information or see what I can do to help um, because it is a real problem and I think. It's sad that so many high-profile people that have recently committed suicide have kind of brought this more to the forefront for people to talk about it. But we need to be open and honest with everyone about how we're feeling. Because it's, I mean, look at Anthony Bourdain or Kate Spade. I mean, they had people around them all the time that worshipped and adored them and loved them. And those people that were closest to them didn't even know that they had a problem. So, and that's that was a turning point for me when I finally started telling people that I had a problem and admitting that I had a problem. That was the first step to me finally saying, okay, I have a problem, I'm dealing with depression, I'm dealing with suicide, and it's bad enough that I've had to tell somebody else. So, I need to do something about this. And that that propelled me to finally start taking steps in my life to do something about it. So... Like I said, I hope this message helps. I hope that if there's anyone who listens to my show that feels this way, you know that I feel that you are worth it and that the world is a better place with you in it. And you may think, well, you don't even know me. How could you believe that? I wouldn't be doing this show if I didn't want to reach people. It's plain as that. If I didn't want to help people, If I didn't want to be a part of somebody else's life and help them do something to better themselves, I wouldn't be doing this show. And that right there, whether you want to believe it or not, is proof that I want to help you, that I want to see you do well, that I want to see you survive, that I want to see you be successful and overcome that depression, that dark cloud in your life. Because trust me, When the sun comes out, and when you see the sun for the first time, it's going to be so bright and so warm that you're going to not ever want to see another cloud for the rest of your life. I mean, you will. There will be clouds that come, but you will so love the sun that you will, you know, when those clouds come, you're just like, okay, I know the cloud's going to pass, going to pass that bad day is going to go and then I'm going to have the sun again and that is what you need to do is flip the switch and instead of longing for the cloudy days long for the sunny ones so with that I hope this has helped this has been quite possibly my longest podcast yet I think um, but I wanted to make sure I shared as much as I could because it's an important topic. There's too many people out there ending their own lives that, that their lives are more valuable than that. They just are in bad situations and they need to find people in their lives that actually do care about them and they need to open up about the way they feel and, and be honest and share their stories. And once you share your stories, you're taking that load off your shoulders And finally standing up straight and saying, you know what? I had the courage to do that. And you'll feel better about yourself because you've finally gotten that out there. So with that, I hope you guys have a fantastic and a much better day. I hope that I've I've reached you and helped you. And like I said, find somebody to reach out to and get that story off your chest. Tell that story. Be honest with yourself. be honest with them whoever it is that you choose to share this with and if they don't accept what you have to say don't sweat it go tell somebody else the first time I told my mom that I was having suicidal thoughts she didn't believe me but you know I eventually told other people and then eventually my mom believed me but it took time because she was just so I think she was just taken aback by it and didn't really know how to handle it so and now she she knows and and we've had a good good talks about it but sometimes you just have to tell a couple people you know can't just be one person all the time because sometimes they won't believe you especially if they've never known that you had this problem before so with that um, I'm going to leave you guys with car thoughts out and like I said have a fantastic day I wrote a book because you can go back and find my episodes where I talk about all this stuff and listen to them and that's all well and good, but sometimes it's easier just to have it in print where you can just see it, right? So I wrote the book called Introduction to Podcasting. Lessons learned, lessons shared. You can pick it up on Amazon on Kindle for 99 cents, less than a dollar. What? That's crazy, right? Less than a dollar, you can pick it up on Kindle. If you like to have a print book in your hands and you just like the way it feels, and trust me, I'm looking at this book right now, it's really well printed. I love Kindle Publishing. You can pick it up for $5.50. So you can have a physical copy where you can take notes, where you can, you know, keep stuff for quick reference while you're working on creating that awesome, epic podcast that I know you're capable of creating. So... By all means, if you're looking for ways, you're looking for advice, Introduction to Podcasting, Lessons Learned, Lessons Share is the book for you. Thank you, guys. And I could not do any of this without your support. So when I say thank you, I mean it. Thank you.